All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Beyond the Art podcast. On today's episode, we have Jack Kelly. Jack, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, we had you on to talk a little bit Detroit Pistons. Are you writing for the Detroit Pistons SB Nation site? Detroit Bad Boys, right? Yeah. Is that the site? Okay. That's so I got, it, man. Yeah. yeah. I got it. So if listeners don't know, you're from Australia, Melbourne. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And yeah, start, how did you start following the Pistons? <laughs> so I've told this story many times. It's pretty interesting or depressing, however you want to look at it. But basically, I didn't have a team. I probably started following the NBA in like 2006, 2007. Didn't really have a team. I was a bit of a Dwight Howard fan. And then, so I enjoyed like his 2008 run with the Magic. And then I remember around 2011, I saw a mock draft and it had Andre Drummond poised to go number one in the 2012 draft. So basically I just followed him as much as I could at UConn. And then when it came to the 2012 draft, I pretty much just said to myself, I'm going to go for whatever team drafts him. And interestingly enough, I didn't want him to go to the Pistons because I hated their uniforms. And I thought, <laughs> so I played a lot of 2K. I thought their court and arena looked quite depressing, but he got drafted by the Pistons and yeah, now I've been making content and yeah, that's my team. <laughs> yeah, here, here you are because all because of Andre Drummond going to the Pistons. Um, Literally. That was, yeah, that was definitely good. How did you feel about that era of like Pistons basketball? I would say as much as I love my basketball, I didn't fully like understand the game very well. So I always had hope for the first five to six seasons of Andre's career that the Pistons, this is going to be like the next Orlando Magic with Stan Van Gundy as the coach. And then I remember they made the playoffs in 2016 against the Cavs and they actually competed, even though it was a sweep. And then the following season, they had a really disappointing season. And then the Blake Griffin trade happens a year later. And then, yeah, the Blake Griffin season was fun where he made all NBA third team. But by then I sort of had realized this team had no real future. They'll stuck in mediocrity. Like it's pretty depressing, but yeah, I don't know. It's made me more grateful for when there's finally some form of winning sustainable team. I think honestly, just from a content creation point of view, it's given me a gap in the market to come in here and make Pistons content because no one, there is people doing it, but it's, there's not a lot. And that's changing quickly, but yeah, I don't know. I like the pieces of my team. I'll watch them no matter what. Yeah. So this era must be, you know, a little more exciting for you, even though the wins haven't been there. There's something to look forward to with Cade Cunningham and Jalen Duran and all these other different young players on the team. So I guess now I ask the same question. How do you feel about this new era of Detroit Pistons really? basketball? Yeah, really excited. I, um, so it's been a ride though. Like I'd never really, as even though the Pistons have had a really poor decade since I've been supporting them, I've never actually been really through a full rebuild prior to 2021 or 2020. So just riding the waves of a rebuild and figuring out like it, it, it's interesting and like trying to figure out expectations each season. Like I remember like Kate Cunningham and getting that number on overall pick is probably the highlight. Like, I still remember when the Pistons, I was watching the lottery live and the Pistons won the lottery. And I just remember thinking this is like the most excited I've ever been as a fan, but just setting those expectations, because I thought once they got K plus they had at the time, Killian Hayes going into year two, Steve Bay, who we all thought was going to be better. We thought we were thinking like push and play in. And then you come back to realize, no, these young players take a while 
But in terms of the talent they have on the roster right now, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. Like it's, you have really four guys who could be all stars. At least it feels like two of them will be. Cade, certainly one of them. And maybe Jaden Ivey, Jalen Durant, one of them for at least an all star. And then Osar Thompson is just, he could be anything. He's got a lot of potential. Feels like he's going to be an Andre Godala type player. It's really exciting. It's really exciting. And I still think it's going to take a minute. Like I'm not expecting playing the playoffs this season, but it's, uh, there's really some A-grade talent on this roster and they're all young. They're not an aging Blake Griffin coming in or it feels like something sustainable is on the horizon. Yeah, it should be fun next year. They're adding a little bit more shooting with Joe Harris, Monte Morris. Hopefully that steadies things out on top of all these different young guys. Who's the player that you're looking forward to most to watching this upcoming season? Jaden Ivey for me. I'm a... And I know we're probably going to get a bit more in depth into Jaden, but he's number one. I just love the past season, getting to know some people in the organization, hearing some things behind the scenes. I used to not put a lot of stock in this because I used to think it was all just talk. But like I said, uh, like his work ethic is insane. Like it is crazy. Like he... He really is like that first guy in the gym last to leave. And I know that is just like the most cliche thing to say, but it's true. And I just think he's a crazy worker. He was put in it. He's miscast in like, he, he's not really a true point guard. I think if you watch the Pistons and you follow Jay Navi, you, you he's not like a, a pass first guy or a distributor by nature. So he was put into that role due to injury last season. And I thought he made some really impressive strides on a roster that really was depleted by injury and never really healthy. But he would be number one. And then Kate's definitely number two, I think. We saw last season, like, he's he had he played 12 games and at least eight to nine of those, he looked like that true sort of guy who's going to put up 23 points, seven assists, seven rebounds every night. And he had some really impressive performances on the road against the Bucks, And so those are the two guys. I'm very excited about Jalen Duran and Asar Thompson. I just think Jalen Duran's still a year away from making a leap just because he's so young. And then Asar Thompson, I also think is going to show plenty of flashes. But yeah, it'd be Jaden and Cade for me. Yeah, I guess we can start with Jaden with the work ethic that you're speaking of. It felt like last year, he actually did improve like literally within the season itself. Like I was just watching some of the f- film of him a couple of different games, so just like one at the beginning of the year versus like end of the year. Of course, small sample size, only two games out of 82 or how many ever he played. He looked drastically improved just in terms of like his decision making. Defensively, he looked a lot better. And like he said, yeah, I don't think he's either. I don't think he's probably a true point guard either, but I actually think he's a really good fit next to Cade for that reason. Just like him attacking, like on the weak side, like attacking a closeout because he's really fast. Like. His first step is insane. Maybe not like John Morant level insane, but it's close and you have that type of guy who can shoot the ball because his form looks pretty good. I don't know the shooting numbers off the top of my head, but I don't think he shot terribly, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. No. Yeah. No, he really improved as a shooter. And you talk about areas he improved upon. So coming into the league, the big knock on Jaden, at least offensively, was he has no in-between game. His mid-range is non-existent. It looks awkward. It was a major sore spot for him, and it was going to be an area he looked to improve upon for the next three to five years. But his most damaging shot 
at least off the bounce and as a creator, not playing alongside Keg, not really playing alongside any other offensive threats, especially when Boyan Bogdanovich went out. Like it became that pull up mid range shot. And I tweeted out heaps of numbers. I honestly can't remember off the top of my head, but he got to around or above league average as a pull up shooter in the mid range and from three. It was just creating out of pick and roll and pulling up or even just in isolation situations. He got a lot better at pulling up around the elbows, around the free throw line, just off the bounce. And that, that as well as his one or two dribble pull up from three really became viable shots for the Pistons. And he was hitting them at least an average rate, which coming out of Purdue, I don't think he was. He definitely wasn't in the mid-range. He improved his floater. He still needs to work on that area. So just him as a shooter off the dribble. I posted a thread. If you just look up Jade and I, but shooting off the bounce. Like you'll see a thread pop up with all these numbers. That was the most impressive thing offensively. And then you touched on the passing improvements. And I think you made a good point about the first step. Jaden is probably never going to be an exceptional creator at pick and roll. That's more Cade's style, slow, methodical, drawing the defense and pick it apart. But where Jaden can pick apart defenses, especially playing off Cade, is just attacking downhill, drawing the defender and dumping off passes to Jalen or to someone in a dunker spot or hitting a corner three-point shooter once the help comes. Like they might sound like simple reads, but when you have a first step as damaging as his, that's where he can really pick apart defenses. And as you mentioned, like playing alongside K, there's like this yin and yang on offense, at least as playmakers. I think he's really going to benefit from K being back for sure. Yeah. And down the line too, just as he improves, like I can totally imagine him becoming an exceptional pick and roll guy too, just with improving his craft skill level. And yeah, the mid-range, like there was times where it did look a little shaky, but there was definitely, compared to his some of his film at Purdue, it did look a lot better, Yeah, at least to me. So we talked a little bit about just that in-between game. What are some other areas you think that he might need to improve in or in order to take that next step? So definitely the defensive end. Like that for him is still a, a pretty big sore spot. And it mainly on ball, he showed some improvements at Summer League, but at Summer League. Off ball, his awareness just, it really lacks. And I'm not sure if it's a conditioning thing from memory. I don't think he was really all that sort of st- like a standout defender or anything. So I think it's off ball rotations, it's communication, it's fighting through screens. Just things like that is where he really needs to improve. And I think it's within him. He has all the tools in, from a physical standpoint, but the defensive end is still a bit of a sore spot for him. Sometimes Jaden's is extremely emotional player. He can get caught up arguing with refs if he's not getting calls. That's just a small thing. He doesn't get back on defense, but I have pretty good confidence he's going to at least get to an average defender just with everything we've seen and heard. That's an area this season I'd probably still expect to be a work in progress, but the Pistons roster last season honestly was never healthy. And then following the all-star break, it was just <laughs> like they were going all in for Wemby. They finished with the worst record by a few games. So the players are on the court a lot of the time, didn't have that great chemistry. So maybe that fed into some of just the, the defense as a whole was terrible anyway, but it's definitely the defensive end. And then if we talk about offensively, it's been, he's finishing at the rim. He was definitely below average and it actually 
it actually got worse as the season progressed. Just his footwork on drives. He's just a straight line driver at the moment. So if he's not getting a clear lane, he's struggled to finish over bigger guys or he doesn't really have a Euro step or anything right now. So just maybe adding some more things to his bag in terms of attacking the rim. He wasn't necessarily a guy that sort of drove baseline and looked to finish with reverses. So it was all sort of straight line stuff. And as quick of a first step that Jaden has and as explosive he is, he's not necessarily going to finish over the top of people that often. He will get out for dunks and have the occasional poster dunk, but he's still going to need to really become more of a creative finisher to get to a, a higher level and finish at league average or better. Yeah, that, that would be on offense for sure. That's where he needs to improve. And then we touched on the playmaking, but I think that's something that comes with more seasoning. Yeah. Going back to the defensive side of things, yeah, there were moments where he dies on screens really easily. He's chasing a guy yeah. off like some staggers and he's late. But I feel like those are all stuff that are like young player mistakes, especially with him being a starter. That's just that's just kind of like an adjustment thing. At least like he was trying. It wasn't he wasn't like a like a Trey Young on defense, not really giving any effort. He was giving effort. He was trying, but it didn't. It just didn't always work out. And that's just a young guy coming into the NBA. That's what happens. But the fact that he's trying, he has good moments, which makes me think, like you said, he's probably going to be league average defender. I think even maybe just with his tools, I feel like he can actually be an above average defender too, because he's a little bit bigger for a guard. So he could probably just hound some yeah. people a little bit. What did you make of his summer league performance? Because I know he didn't have the best showing only played two games but a lot of it too was like he was the the primary ball in there and like you said he's just not really suited for that role just yet so what did you take away from his summer league performance yeah so i think i'd be lying if i didn't say it. it was a bit underwhelming but especially that first game it felt like he was very focused on dropping 30 points and showing on the man he was, he missed some passing reads. I know a lot of Pistons fans was frustrated. He wasn't finding Asar Thompson more. And it just felt like he was trying to like ISO or just, it was, it felt like he was all about scoring first, which it's tricky because I don't think Jaden's a selfish player. I think they might like, he's playing summer league. He didn't, after his rookie season, as bad as the Pistons were, like, I don't think anyone would have been surprised if he didn't play. I think most people would have expected him not to play in summer league. So I think he was there trying to show off maybe some new parts to his game, show his improved shooting off the bounce. It just didn't really hit in the first game. And then he had a number of just weird turnovers, like missing alley-oop passes, like throwing it over Jalen Duran's head, just stuff like that, just miscues, which I put down to rust. I put down to just, yeah, just... He just wasn't, it didn't, he just had a horrible first game, to be honest. And then game two, he showed some improvement. I think the stat sheet will look nice. I think he finished with 20 points, 10 assists, some decent efficiency, but the Pistons were getting, yeah, outplayed by Jabari Smith and the Rockets pretty, like they were disposing of the Pistons pretty easily. Like they're down by 20 for most of the game. So it's a little bit disappointing, but if he had to come out and have two 30-point games, a triple-double in there, like, I still wouldn't be going, all right, he's an all-star this season, like, with Summer League. They're playing with Jalen Duran, James Wiseman, two big lineup, which I don't think we see in the season. Asar Thompson, there, there wasn't much spacing on the floor. Like, it was in Summer League. That's one thing I learned from being in the building. And we met up, of course, which was awesome. But just the basketball was pretty, pretty bad to watch. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, being there, it was tough, like, 
I wasn't too concerned. The only thing I will say was a little bit concerning was just the defensive stuff once again. He showed a bit more effort on ball. You could tell like that was an area he wanted to be spoken about improving it on the defensive end. You could tell there's like a renewed intensity, I guess you could say, on ball. But he still had those off-ball lapses, which once again, maybe that's just the whole team overall, but he still didn't jump off to the page. It seemed improving much there in summer league. Yeah, you're totally right about summer league though. Like that basketball is just not... Not the best I know, thing man. to watch, but I like I was sorry to cut you off, but I remember I got broke friends with someone just before like the first day of summer league and I was like, Man, I can't wait. Like I'm just gonna be in the gym. I'm gonna watch eight hours of basketball. I can't wait to watch all these players. Then you get there and you're just talking to people and the basketball's almost like second to whatever you're doing. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. It was an experience and I highly recommend it for anyone. But like just the basketball there was yeah, it was pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, by the end of the day, like the last last couple games, just no one's even like really paying attention. If you do, you're like, what? Who's playing? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So, I last question for about Jay and Ivy. So, ideally, like if we're thinking about the this Pistons group through a championship lens, like how do they get to that? How do they get to that level? Where does Jade and Ivy ideally fit in that like framework? So, if we just if we're projecting, I just want to answer this by saying that let's just say him, Jaden, and Kate are definitely on the roster long term, and maybe one of us are in Jalen Durena. I know in an ideal world, all four are, but I feel like there's probably a world where one of those guys potentially gets moved with some other things to bring in a more experienced player. We're talking championship, but I think more than likely, Jaden Ivy, you're I believe he could be the leading scorer. Like I think he can he could be the leading scorer alongside Kate. Just with the improved shooting. Like I think he's a guy that can get to 24, 25 points a night. Just with his ability to get to the free throw line, the improvements he can make as a finisher and just playing off a like really good playmaker in Kate. Like I think he can be the leading scorer. But in terms of like best player, where's he feeling? Like I think that Kate is the best player on this team. And then I think it's Jaden Ivey. But I think he can be a really damaging scorer and just a major disruptor on the defensive end who's just pushing the tempo, scoring in transition. Yeah. I, like, part, I actually deep down believe he could be the... If he's your best player, which I think he could be, I don't know if that gets you to a championship, but part of me thinks, like, with this core, he could be the best player. Even though I know, like, people think I'm insane. I'm very extremely high on Cade. And we've seen some really impressive things from him at Team USA, which has, which is extremely exciting. But I think more than likely he settles as like the second best guy on this team and he could be the leading scorer. Yeah, that seems total, totally feasible to me. That's a really exciting backcourt just moving forward. We talked about a little bit of the surrounding talent, like who maybe they should keep, who should they get rid of. It's just, it's just funny the way Trey Weaver's accumulated talent, just even though there might be positional overlap or maybe there's a guy like, I guess like even Hamidou Diallo, Killian Hayes, like these guys, like not great shooters. Like this roster is just just a mismatch of all these different people. They just want to see who pops. What do you think of just the job Troy Weaver's done, just putting together this group so far? So if you think back, like Troy Weaver was there throughout all those good OKC years with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Serge Barker, James Harden. And those teams always liked shooting. (laughs) Like they always went for long athletes to surround KD and Russell Westbrook. And I know that was a frustration for Thunder fans and just the whole league would look at that like 
that they were always the team prioritizing athleticism over shooting and the leather pistons have gone down that path a little bit but which was up until just recently that's why it was exciting to at least see them add veteran shooters like they now have three to four really good veteran shooters on this roster i think troy's done an excellent job in terms of drafting particularly in the 2022 draft to get Jane Ivey and Jalen Duran in the first round. That was, yeah, that was extremely exciting to get, like, I think they did an excellent job there to make those trades happen. Yeah. I think he's done a really good job. I've, I'm, I don't think there's been a free agent available to the Pistons to get and spend money. A lot of fans are frustrated. We didn't end up with Cam Johnson. I wanted Cam Johnson, but the price was going to be ridiculous. And with his injury history, as good of a player as he is and how good of a fit he would have been, I just don't think it was going to happen. The Pistons did have interest there. It wasn't like there was no interest at all. So a lot of fans will still be a little bit frustrated. He hasn't made that major trade or major free agency acquisition. But for the most part, I think he's done a really good job acquiring talent. I mean, some people might be frustrated with the 2020 draft with taking Killian Hayes over Tyrese Halliburton, but 12 teams took someone ahead of Tyrese Halliburton. I know I was extremely happy for them to draft Killian Hayes. That was the guy a lot of Pistons fans wanted. So when Isaiah Stewart's turned out to be a really solid, at least he'll be a top tier backup big, if not the team wants him to be the starting four, I believe. Whether he gets that or not, I'm not sure, but I think that's a solid pick. Sadiq Bay was a good pick for the first few seasons. Yeah, the draft thing's been really good. And I just don't think, like, this summer was meant to be the summer we really find out about Troy Weaver's ability to build a winner. But I think with Cade sort of, he's as only like he played 10 games last season. Like he's almost going into his year two now. Like that year set the franchise back a little bit, helped them get Asar Thompson. But I think we're going to find out a lot about Troy Weaver across the next 12 months in terms of they're going to have to sign Cade to an extension, the solo cap is going to become a major factor in how this team is built, especially with the new CBA stuff coming in next summer. It's going to be really interesting to see how, how he goes about shaping this roster. But I think it's been, if I had to put a grade on it, like I would say a B plus. Like I think this team has the best future it's had in 20 years. <laughs> like, and it feels like there's something sustainable there. You have core pieces, you have marketable players. Feels like there's something there to really build upon for the next five seasons at least. You touched on him a little bit, but Isaiah Stewart's been a player that's intrigued me for a little bit because he came in as a five. Last year moved to the four. He didn't average, I think, over a three-point attempt in a game, like per average-wise. And then this season he shot four, four about four per game on 32-33% shooting. Is yep. his shooting going to be real? Because I feel like if they want him long-term at that four spot, just what he brings, like energy, athleticism, size-wise, you're going to need someone at that spot who can also space the floor. Do you think Isaiah Stewart has, is that in the cards from the future being a legitimate NBA-level spacer? So I'm a big believer in Stewart as the player overall, like just in what he brings, leadership intangibles, and then we talk about the on-court skill. So just prior, just some background. Last season, he, as you mentioned, the attempts there, I think he attempted around four a game. He had a shoulder injury to his shooting arm, I believe, in mid-January. Prior to that, he was shooting around 34% on four, four and a half attempts. So not amazing, but a pretty decent percentage. He actually, the first 20 games, he was shooting like 38, 39%. It was really high, and then it tailed off. 
Then following the shoulder injury, he shot like shooting like 28%. It was pretty low, but he didn't play many games either. Do I think he gets to a high enough level where he's your starting for long term? I would say if I had to put money on it, probably not. But I think there's definitely a world where it happens. And because I think the versatility he brings defensively is pretty. It's, I think Isaiah Stewart's true value will come out in the playoffs. Like the peak, my ideal peak outcome for him is becoming like PJ Tucker. What he was with the Rockets. You can play him a small ball five. You should want to go real small. You can stick him on like a Giannis. No one's going to stop Giannis. No one's going to stop these sort of top five guys in the league. But you can put him on those bigger wings maybe and you can slow him down a little bit. And then just on offense, he just hits open threes. I think at the least though, like he just signed extension for around 15, 16 million a season. Like I think that contract is fine. It's probably a touch higher than you would like, but when you're bringing back a player, you want to keep the relationship. Like I can see why that was what it was. I think at the bare minimum, you've got your backup big off the bench and he will be a top big off the bench just in terms of the best early brings defensively and some of the stuff you can do offensively. So yeah, I'm pretty high on Stuart and just, he's like this stuff, once again, intangible stuff, like he actually really is the heart and soul of this team. I know. I've heard he's Troy Weaver's favorite player just in terms of the relationship they have and what he sees in Isaiah, just steering this team in the right direction from at least a character standpoint and a culture setting standpoint. Like I think all that stuff counts as well. I'm pretty high on Stu. Yeah. If you want, we can talk a little bit about Cade because you can't really, we can't really talk about the Pistons without <laughs> talking about Cade Cunningham. He looks really good in those TBSA scrimmages, the pairing of him and Jalen Duran and like the pick and roll like that, that he looked really good. Just like no one could speed Kate up on the team USA, the actual team. I know they, they talked about like how he, they actually wanted him to be on that team and he definitely would have belonged and definitely would have been playing a big role. But I guess he just wanted to just prepare for this upcoming NBA season. Yeah. I'll just leave it open to you. Like what, what are your thoughts on Kate Cunningham? Uh, yeah, I think he still could. I still think he's the number one overall pick for a reason. I think people have forgotten about him and understandably his rookie season was up and down, even though he closed strong and then he only plays 10 games last season and then he's out. So understandably, I can see why people have forgotten about him, at least from a national standpoint. But if you watch him play, you watch that Team USA stuff, the thing that's so excited about him is he plays at his own pace and Chris Paul's commented on it. Kevin Durant coming on it, like in Kyrie Irving, like he just plays at his own pace and doesn't get sped up and he will have turnovers, but he is an extremely good decision maker, especially out of pick and roll. Like he's just a master at sort of manipulating the defense and finding the best option where he's going to improve is finishing is like a scorer out of those actions where he's manipulating the defense and he gets an open shot at the rim or. He just his mid-range came along last season, but the three-point shot and finishing at the rim are still areas he needs to improve upon. But in terms of creating good looks for himself and his teammates, I think he's going to he's going to be exceptional at that for a long time. And I think in terms of a player comp, like I truly think in this, I'm not saying he has the exact same career and accolades and the stats look exactly the same, but I think he, he really is. The way he plays reminds me of a bigger Chris Paul, just in the way he likes to get to the mid-range. He's going to, he's a bit slower with the ball in hand in terms of like on offense, a lot of half-court sets. He's not someone that's going to blow by, but yeah, that 
you saw in that Team USA footage, if you watched it all, like he just picked apart the Team USA in that first scrimmage. And normally I wouldn't try to react to like open run stuff, but it's Team USA. Like I know they don't have LeBron, they have KD, Steph Curry, but there's still some really good defenders in that team. There's some all-stars. Yeah, it was impressive. Just him pick it apart. And then him and Jalen Duran only played like 70 minutes together last season. So just to see them already have some really good chemistry, that was exciting as well because that's something Kate still, apart from 20 games with Marvin Bagley in the end of his rookie season, he still hasn't played with an actual lob threat. So like even last season, they were starting Isaiah Stewart at the five and Steve Bay at the four when Cade was healthy. Like now look, some of his minutes crossed over Jalen Durant, but they never started together. They never played extended minutes together. So he's still really never got to play with a lob threat for like a, you know, a substantial time. And that's what really unlocks his game. Because if you put someone there, you can dive to the rim, Jalen Durant just opens everything up and puts so much more pressure on the defense. And then on the defensive end, like, I think he's got so much potential there as well. Because of the load, he's probably going to carry offensively. I don't know if you ever want him defending, like, the team's best wing or biggest wing, but he is an extremely good off-ball defender in terms of disrupting and anticipation. Right now, sometimes he does have issues where he gets caught gambling and that sort of thing, but just, like, he's an exceptional communicator. That's the best thing about Cade is just as a leader, He's he's a number one pick. He wants to be the face of the franchise and owns and takes that very seriously. He's spoken about that. But he's just an exceptional leader and someone who I think is, you know, whether or not he's going to be the first or second option on this team long term, like he's a core piece no matter what. And I think a lot of people would agree he looked like an all-star in those scrimmages at least. So really excited for his third season. Yeah, I really like that Chris Paul comparison because I know a lot of the more of the talk goes to the Luka Doncic because he's around their similar size. But I think, you know, Luka's a lot more all dominant, I think, than Kate is. <laughs> Luka's like counting the ball. It also might be a byproduct of how Dallas plays. He has the ball the entire possession. And you don't really see that with Kate. He's a little bit more of like a ball mover. He's not hunting his shot as often which I think Chris Paul, it more, he more similarly plays like Chris Paul, except he's six, seven inches bigger. So yeah, <laughs> that's some pretty exciting stuff. And he's he obviously defensively, he's going to he's gonna be pretty, at least pretty good on that end. But I was just thinking about it, just like their ideal lineup, right? It's Cade, Jaden, Thompson, Isaiah Stewart, Jalen Duran. That's a big lineup. J- Jaden Ivey's your smallest guy. He's 6'4", super athletic, has length. I guess that lineup I listed, do you think that's a group that you would be okay with them moving forward with as like the five main like centerpieces? So in terms of like your five best players or five best young players, like, yeah, for sure. The only thing is there's very limited shooting there. Yeah, That's the only thing that scares me. And that's what a lot of Pistons fans are concerned about long-term. Like they brought in some veteran shooters, like you alluded to earlier, but long-term, we were both there at Summer League. I'm not sure how close you watch the Pistons warm up. But, or if you watch them at all, but I think Asar Thompson's jump is going to take a couple of seasons. Like it's still going to take a while for him to get to a average level from three. And if he exceeds, that's exceptional. But just watching him in warm-ups, it's going to take a minute. Isaiah Stewart, as you mentioned, still below average. Cade shot around 30%. Jaden Ivey, for as much improvement as he made, he's still around 34%. And then Jalen Durant, obviously, is someone who's not going to shoot balls. And we're talking lineups for next season. There's sort of two starting lineups we've been thrown out. The most popular one amongst fans, at least, is 
Kay Jaden, Osar Thompson, Boyan Bogdanovich at the four to ride shooting, and then Jalen Duran at the five. Personally, I, I like that lineup, but I think what we see opening night is probably Kay Jaden, Boyan at the three, Isaiah Stewart at the four, and Jalen Duran at the five. They're the two lineups we've been thrown out the most if we're looking at from a starting point of view. So because those five guys, the young guys, just there's just not enough shooting now, and I don't think there will be for a couple of seasons amongst that group. Yeah, I totally agree with is at least with the Asor Thompson next to oh, I guess he, you said Bojan, but yeah, Asor I don't think is there yet in terms of being like a just like a starting level NBA player, and also Bojan has that like reputation as an NBA player, like he he's the yeah. veteran around, he's gonna start, he's getting paid, he's getting paid the most on the team. But we'll see. Maybe he, that guy, Boyan, might get moved middle of the year. Or I do like him there, though. Just he's you know, uh, not, he's a be more than a shooter because he can attack the basket. So he's more of a scorer than like a pure shooter. Yeah. No, I'm a lot. So, portion of the fan base would want him traded today for a future pick and something else. Whereas I'm more in the camp of like, if we want to win games or if Detroit want to win games, you need veterans. Like, Cade's only in year three, but really only year two. Like he barely played. Jaden and I, like your young players are going into their second and third seasons or best or first season. Like they're still, if we, if games, we want to win games and get to 28, 30 wins. Like you need veterans on the floor. It's just Cade. Business fans hate this, but Cade played some of his best parts was a rookie when Corey Joseph was starting alongside him instead of Killian Hayes. And that's just because he had a veteran next to him who could take the pressure off. Which is why I was so excited about the Monty Morris bringing him in because he's just like a souped up this version of Corey Joseph. Okay, you know what I mean? Like he's like the best, one of the best backup point guards in the league. So to bring him to play alongside Kane Jaden, like that, they're the sort of moves that will help you win like a few more games, not playoffs maybe, but definitely a major improvement on seventeen wins. Yeah, hundred percent. Probably the one of the last topics we'll hit before we got to head out with the. We're looking at the big man rotation. Jalen Duran, James Wiseman. We haven't talked about James Wiseman. This hurts my head. This hurts my head. <laughs> and Mark, and even not Mark, Marvin Bagley. Like you have these three <laughs> set, like high. I guess Bagley and Wiseman picked higher than Duran, but I, I don't know. Like, what do you make uh, of these three, three lottery big men? So this hurts my head. Like, I, so the basic lineups as a whole, I can't really figure out. Like we touched on the starters, but. Some of it has to do with, so Marvin Bagley obviously signed the extension. So immediately from a fan point of view, I think, okay, there's some form of investment there. But then you bring in James Wiseman, who Troy Weaver reportedly would have taken if he had the opportunity in the 2020 draft over anybody. So when we're trying to factor it into who's playing minutes, like those are the things I think about. But then maybe ultimately it just doesn't matter. Like I think the two bigs that get, bulk minutes so obviously Isaiah Stewart and Jalen Duran and then Boyan's going to play some minutes at the four Isaiah Liv is a guy we haven't touched on he's going to get some run at the four I believe so it feels each night one of James Wise or Marvin Bagley isn't playing because I, I just can't figure out minutes for them especially with Joe Harris there on the roster who might play a few minutes at the four I think he's a three but you never know so ultimately I just I think Marvin Bagley is a better player right now I think he's more polished offensively than James Wiseman. I think as much as I don't think it's the best lineup, I think he fits along if you're going to have to play him. or I think he fits alongside Isaiah Stewart a lot better than James Wiseman. But I think it's a night-to-night thing. 
or I think one of them is traded before the, sorry, I think if one of them is traded before the season starts or is moved during the season, I think it is Marvin Bagley. But yeah, it hurts my head. Like I don't have a good answer for you. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I'm in yeah. the belief that Wiseman is an NBA player somewhere. Just like he's that side, he's that fluid of a mover. He has that level of skill already. It's just like putting it all together, like motor wise, like him being consistently there all the time, not making good decisions. He just hasn't had that many game reps. Yeah. No, and yeah. just on Wiseman quickly. Yeah. Like I, I think that, like you said, I'm the same. I think there's an NBA player in there. I will be honest, what he showed with the Pistons, nah, it's a little bit worrying. Like he is someone who likes to post up defensively. There's some issues there, but you can't deny the tools he has at 7.1 and he might, his athleticism might've declined a little bit, but there's, I, like my co-host on our Detroit Bad Boys live stream, West Danville, always, there's a face-up game in there somewhere. It's just, he's got this inherent habit of posting up. If he can just replace those posts up with like just running pick and roll all the time. Like that was something that frustrated me a little bit at Summer League. Like he just, especially in the second game against Houston was just so focused on posting up. So there is a player in there. I think he does get a chance to prove that with Detroit, but we'll see, we'll see. I think this is a good place to wrap things up here, Jack. Where can people find your work? You can find my work at Detroit Bad Boys. With my new job, I haven't had much of a chance to write lately, but we do a live stream every Thursday night or Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. So if you're a Pistons fan, basically the show, you come, you ask questions, we answer them. For any Pistons fans that just want to have a question answered or a discussion discussed, <laughs> so we're doing that every week for the foreseeable future. And then, yeah, I just started with the MBL last week. I should have some content coming out in the next few weeks once I get my feet set. The National Basketball League, people don't know, is the Australian Professional League. So we've got some exciting next stars or players that could be drafted in the 2024 drafts, like AJ Johnson. So I'm going to try to get some content out on those guys for some of their, I'm sure most of your listenerships from the US. So those are the guys you want to keep your eye on with the MBL set. Yeah, and you can find me at Jack underscore Kelly underscore three on three on Twitter. Yeah, make sure to give Jack a follow. Also, make sure to give you know, the Beyond the Arc Twitter follow at Beyond the Arc 8 and make sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and thank you to Jack for coming on. Thank you.